0: Praise the Lord. Uh, it is the night before Thanksgiving, and so this is always the service, when we can tell who's really dedicated, right? <laughs> if you are here tonight, you are hungry for the Lord, and that's what we love about nights like tonight. So it's definitely going to be a super good time, and uh, we're going to get into the Word here in just a few minutes. Uh, praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand up together, and we are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the united states of america and we're going to keep believing that america is coming to jesus can we get an amen tonight Amen. amen all right let's say this together father we come to you in jesus name and in unity we confess that jesus christ is lord over the united states of america we declare that righteousness mercy justice and judgment from you shall prevail We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Give the Lord some praise tonight and you may be seated very good well uh we'll see you got a few updates for you here as you can see the uh, stage is coming right along and uh we're really excited about that we're even adding on a little bit more to that end so uh it's just really uh really uh exciting for us um and if you haven't been to the restrooms yet the bathrooms are now usable so praise the lord Indoor plumbing, it turns out a lot of people like that. I didn't know that. So indoor plumbing is here, and uh, the bathrooms aren't totally finished yet. We've still got some cosmetic things that are happening, but they are functional and usable. So thank you, Jesus, for that, and uh, God is really good to us. All right, so let's see here. we got some announcements. Of course, uh, it is the holiday season, full blast here, so it's going to be very busy over the next little while. I want to remind the parents that uh, they are getting the the children's uh, Christmas program rolling, Miss Betty and Cindy and the children's leaders. So if you want your uh, kids to be involved in that, make sure that you're here uh, because they're going to be practicing during services and stuff like that. And uh, we really want them to get to be involved in that. It's a really special thing. All right. And so this Sunday night is going to be the annual Christmas came early party. Yes. So at 6pm, uh, this Sunday night, uh, every family bring a dozen cookies to share. Uh, the church will provide the drinks, hot cocoa and all that fun stuff. There's of course the gift exchange if you would like to participate. Uh, so for the adults that's for, will be, uh, uh, counted as ages 15 and up, they can bring a, a wrapped gift worth no more than $5, and for kids under that uh, uh, wrapped gift of a $1 value. And, of course, bring out the ugly sweaters. Wear them loud and wear them proud, and uh, just make sure that you look uh, as ugly as you can. How's that sound? No? All right. Hey, I got a head start on that. I'm ready, man. All right. Um, Girls' Night Out is going to be on Friday, December 3rd, uh. uh uh, so th- let's see, now you're going to go online to therockchurch.com there and go to their events page and you can get uh, tickets, you do have to have a ticket to get in. I know the earlier you buy the ticket, the cheaper it is, but um, the ladies that go always have a phenomenal time, Pastor Katie loves it. And so uh, the church isn't providing transportation, just find out uh, some of the girls that are going and team up and and uh, carpool down there, it'll be really great. All right, uh, water baptisms are coming up. Who's excited about that? You should be. All right. So let's go ahead. And we're gonna, just going to pass this bad boy around here. Uh, so if you've never been baptized and would like to be, we're going to get you signed up. It's going to be Sunday, December the 11th. And uh, and again, oftentimes maybe somebody was baptized as a child or earlier in life and they didn't really grasp the full meaning of it. Well, we're okay to baptize you again if you so choose. But anyway, uh, that's coming around. And then uh, the Christmas concert with Laura Cook is going to be Friday, December the 16th. And so we are really pumped up about that. Uh, she's going to have her full band with her. And this would be an excellent evening to bring uh, friends and family that maybe don't normally come. And just be blessed by the the Christmas concert. She does a really great job. You can look her up online and uh, and even get a little bit more acquainted with her before that time. But that would be a really, really great night for the whole church family. And then, of course... The church Christmas service, which is uh, really just about our biggest day of the whole year, will be Sunday, December the 18th uh, at the 10 a.m. service. And uh, that's the day that uh, the children do their performance. Uh, we have a big Christmas dinner, so we'll be getting the sign-up going around for that again uh, for the food. And, of course, there is a gift for every child that is present in the service. And we really, really uh, just have a great time being able to bless the children and the parents and everybody else that day so make sure you're here for that and this isn't on the screen but we will have the candlelight service on christmas eve and christmas day falls on a sunday this year and uh you know some people are like are we still gonna have church i'm like yeah let's cancel church because it's jesus birthday right come on that doesn't make any sense I mean, hey, I'm not gonna come in here and pull out a three hour service, but at the same time, we're gonna come to church on Jesus' birthday, amen? And so, we get it though, I know people will be traveling and stuff, so hey, no judgment if you can't be here, but uh, we will definitely be having church that day still, amen? Alright, well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, it's happy time, and if you need an envelope, you can raise your hand, the ushers will be glad to give you one. If you're going to give online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving, and we're going to go tonight to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, back here in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 16, and we're going to look at verse 29. And uh, this is a passage where uh, the, the people of Israel and Judah here are celebrating and giving praise. And this little passage is actually called David's Song of Thanksgiving. And I was like, hey, this is Thanksgiving time. And so David wrote this whole thing as they were praising uh, the Lord. And I love what he says here in 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 29 in the NLT. He says, give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Who thinks you should do that? Yeah, and he does deserve the glory. You better know that tonight, too. But check it out what he says here. He says, bring your offering and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. And so David is like, man, we're celebrating, we're praising, we're going to sing. We're going to get into his presence and we're going to bring our offerings before the Lord as a sign of thanksgiving. And so you need to know that, hey, part of giving thanks is being a giver and giving an offering to the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing for us to remember, even as New Testament Christians right now. And uh, that reminds me, if you weren't here on Sunday and didn't hear the big announcement that our church mortgage is officially paid off. Amen. So the church is 100% debt-free. We don't have a mortgage. We don't have a credit cards. We don't owe anybody anything. Uh, we just got our utility bills and stuff like that. So the Lord is really, really good, and he made all that happen. So we are certainly in a state of thanksgiving right now because God has been nothing but good to us. Can we get a great big amen tonight? All right, let's stand up together, and we are going to speak some words of faith Over our tithes and our offerings, we're going to get in to some worship here, and then we've got a very interesting sermon for you tonight. I'll just leave that out there. It is definitely interesting, and you picked a great night to be here. So let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions,
1: Tonight let's just make sure that we all sing as loud as we can and don't be afraid to come worship at the altar with us.
2: You can
3: Yeah. Whoa. <laughs>
2: Come
0: Lord, we worship you this evening, God, and we thank you that you are all those things that we're singing right there. You are the way maker, the miracle worker, and Lord, we recognize that, hey, even when we don't see it, we know you're working because we walk by faith not by sight we are not a people that needs to see to believe we can believe you anyway lord because you are good and you have proven yourself time and time again and lord this faith thing is not just something we talk about you said that the just shall live by faith lord this is our entire lives everything that we are is based upon our faith in you jesus we love you we worship you and praise you tonight and we ask that you would speak to us lord Uh, we want to learn we want to get more and more like you father so speak to us and help us to have ears to hear this evening we love you and we praise you in jesus mighty name can everybody say amen tonight amen all right let's let's give the lord some praise as we make our way to our seats hallelujah well, the Lord is good. Amen. So, uh, like we said earlier at the beginning, Hey, I know if you are here tonight, you must really love Jesus, <laughs> That's right. uh, because I, I recognize you could be at home, uh, you know, basting your turkey or I don't know what you, I, you know, uh, one of the teenagers just came up to me a minute ago and like a 16, 17 year old and the boy cooked his own turkey today. And I'm sitting there thinking about that. I'm like, Wait a minute! I'm 37. I've never cooked a turkey ever. That's awful. I need to. Have you, Doug? You never? Okay. And who in here has cooked a turkey? Okay. All right. Big Rob, you've cooked it. All right. Very good. This is impressive. That's good for you guys. Uh, nobody likes a bragger, though. So put your hands down. That's that's that is rude uh, to try to outshine me tonight. Okay. So anyway, uh, but I know you're committed if you're here tonight, and if you're watching online, welcome, and uh, we're gonna have a good time. So. Uh, we started a series on Sunday mornings called 10 Skills Every Christian Needs. And I was, uh, I don't know, I was just praying, oh, I don't know, probably back in September and this came to me that there are skills that Christians need. And uh, there's a difference between a skill and a gift. Now, uh, you know, the Lord may give you a, a gift in some area and that's wonderful, And there's some things that God gives you a gift in, like, that it's unique to you. Not just anybody can do what you're doing with that. Maybe, you know, you got a gift of singing or preaching or or whatever it is. And then, of course, we got the nine gifts of the Spirit in Corinthians. And you don't get to just pick and choose which one of those you're going to get. Uh, you know, it says that it's as the spirit wills. And so there's gifts that may not totally just be available to everybody in that regard. But when it comes to a skill, everybody can learn some skills. Now, some people may get a lot better at it, you know, so to speak, than others. But when it comes to a skill, you can do it. You can learn it and uh, and you can make something of this. All right. And so we've been looking at skills every Christian needs. And, and uh, as I was doing this, I realized I can't fit all of these in on a Sunday morning and still get into my Christmas series. So we're going to have to pull into our Wednesday night uh, group tonight. And you guys are the fortunate ones. You're going to get Literally the most practical sermon I've ever taught, ever, in 15 years, alright? I mean, we're gonna get down to the nuts and bolts on some things here. Very practical is what we're gonna do, and, and so we're gonna talk about a couple of things, uh, and, uh, and so, anyway, let's just get into this. Let's get into this. Number 7 out of 10, what we're gonna be talking about is how to study the Word. Number seven, how to study the Word. Because I know that all the time I'm telling you, you've got to get into the Word. You've got to take the Bible seriously. It is everything. And when I say that, I totally mean it. All right. Because Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the Bible is the cornerstone to just, I mean, everything that we do. We love it so much that we named the church after it. High Desert Word Center. I mean, we take it serious. But I'm also aware that not everybody just simply knows how to study the Bible. And, uh, and I pray that you've got a desire, certainly you've got a desire, uh, to study the Word, but not everybody necessarily has been taught how to. And so what I'm gonna do tonight, uh, for a few minutes here is we're gonna, uh, literally teach you the very, very basics of studying the Bible. I'm gonna show you some very entry level, elementary level, uh, introductory, uh, ways and skills for you to study the Bible. Now, maybe you're here and you're like, man, that's cool, but I needed to hear about something else tonight. I needed to hear about healing. I needed to hear about prosperity. I needed to hear about peace. Well, here's the good news, that if I teach you how to study the Bible, you can literally go and teach yourself a bunch of stuff from the Bible. Wouldn't that be cool? And so there's this old saying that if you give a man a fish, you feed him for the day. If you teach a man how to fish, you can feed him for his lifetime. And so it's essential for your growth as a Christian. Yeah, you need to be here at church hearing myself preach, my dad, whoever's preaching. That is one angle of it. But at the very most, you're going to get that three times a week right now. Now, uh, I've found this out that... Inevitably, I don't want to, but inevitably I eat more than three times a week at home. You know, I wish, uh, but but you know, I I eat every day. And so, for you as a Christian that's wanting to grow, uh, it's important that you're here to get these meals three times a week. But. You need to be able to learn to study the word so you can feed yourself and uh, and learn some of these things on your own. And so I fully recognize that uh, not everybody would be really excited about this. But if you're a Christian that wants to grow and learn more about God's word, you need to listen tonight. And this will be really, really helpful. So I want to look at a few things uh, first of all. In uh in the bible itself. All right. Hey before we do this and by the way My wife put my bible's christmas sweater on for the year. So I am super pumped about this She did a great job, but let's go to the book of proverbs. Let's look at proverbs chapter 2 and uh, we're going to look at a few Proverbs tonight before we get into some of the practical instruction. Uh, because the Bible tells us that Solomon was the wisest person to ever live. Do you realize that? That Solomon is literally uh, referred to in Scripture as the single wisest person to ever live. He wrote most of the Proverbs. And you'll notice that he put a major emphasis in Proverbs on knowing God's Word. In fact, uh, you'll see he referred to it mainly as God's instructions or God's commands. But we understand that that's synonymous with God's word. And so Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to look at a few verses here. I'm going to look at a few um, verses out of Proverbs 2, 3, and 4, and then I'm going to try to teach you some real practical stuff tonight. And, uh, and I, hey, I'm, I'm trying to teach you how to fish so you can start feeding yourself every day. Amen? So Proverbs chapter 2, and we're going to look here at verses 1 through 6, and this is uh, Solomon. He says, my child or my son, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. We're talking about the Proverbs about the word. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. And you should be doing this in your life. You should be wanting more understanding. You should be. Desiring more insight, more instruction, more wisdom. And I know that there's probably the majority of people in this world that they're totally content. They're not seeking more wisdom. They're not seeking more knowledge on anything meaningful and more insight. But as the Christian, you want to grow and you should be crying out for insight. Lord, I want to know more of your word. I want to understand it better. I want a revelation from your word. Verse 4 talking about the word and about wisdom he says search for them as you would for silver who in here you go to work I mean pretty much 5 days a week and and is it because you enjoy not being at home and you want to be out there busting your rear end for the man no <laughs> you're doing it because you're searching for silver you're searching for you need money and that's good you should be doing that but I'm convinced that most of you, you're going to work not just because you love Santa Fe so gosh darn much. You're there because you need the silver. You need the gold. You need the mucho dinero. You got to seek it out, right? And so what if we were as uh, committed to searching out God's word as we were to searching out silver and money, right? What if, I mean, Five days a week you're out there trying to get more of this money. What if at least five days a week you were putting in some hard effort to get more of God's Word into your heart? Mm. All right? And so, he says, search for it like you would silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. And I'm telling you, most of our issues in life, my associate pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm having a flashback to him saying this right now when I was in college, but he said, most of the problems that you have in your life, you could draw a direct line to your lack Of knowledge of God in that area. If you're always having trouble just worrying about money and stressing out about finances, it's because you don't really have the knowledge that God is truly your provider. He is El Shaddai. If I could get into the word and get a hold of finances God's way and grow my knowledge of God in the area of finances, that problem would start fixing itself. If I've got an issue with depression or anxiety or whatever, and I, I mean, I can see it in my life. I can draw a direct line to, man, I don't know enough about God in that area. I need to get into his word. So uh, verse six, for the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. That's all talking about the word of God. Look at Proverbs chapter three, verses one and two. We're just laying a little bit of a foundation here. Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, my child, my son, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. That's talking about the word of God, the commands of God. He says, store it in your heart. And you know, when you've stored God's commands in your heart, it'll keep you from sinning. Yeah, David said, he said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so if you're trying to overcome a sin of some kind, listen, you get God's word stored in your heart in that area, you can overcome that sin. Uh, look at this next verse here. Uh, verse two, he says, if you do this, you know, start taking God's word seriously, you will live many years. And on top of that, your life will be satisfying. That's really, really Good news because I don't want to just live many years if they aren't satisfying. I'd rather just go to heaven now I mean, I don't need to sit down here for the next 60 years in misery and hating my life Listen when we do things god's way in his word. We all know that. Yes, there's storms and difficulties we face but as we Take his word and store it in our heart. You'll live many years, praise God, and they can be satisfying years. Now, I want to look at Proverbs chapter 4, and then I'm going to get into some practical stuff here. Proverbs chapter 4, and I got to read it in the King James. Oh, and why is that? Well, because uh, Proverbs 4 verses 20 through 22 is uh, healing verses and, and direct reference to the word. And... Uh, I mean, probably at least a thousand nights of my life, probably more like, like a couple thousand nights of my life. I've listened to Kenneth Hagen uh, on YouTube. Uh, there's, if you go on there and search Kenneth Hagan, God's Medicine, uh, you can listen to about two hours of him just reading healing verses. And, and so, how many of you have slept at night listening to Kenneth Hagan, God's Medicine? Yes. And he starts the whole, usually, I don't even know what the whole uh, video sounds like because I fall asleep so peacefully and beautifully. Within probably 60 seconds, man, I hit the pillow and I am out just sleeping beautifully. It is so wonderful. But I do know that it starts off with these verses right here because this is at least the ones that I hear all the time. And it's in the King James, and so that's how I know it. But Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22, it says, My son... Attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes and keep them in the midst of thine heart. Well, why would I do all that? For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Amen. So the word of God, it is life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Man, if you didn't have a good enough reason to get into the word, that's a good enough reason right there. That's exciting, man. I'm about to just, I'm getting excited just thinking about all this. All right. So, uh, these are some very, um, really cool things that, that Solomon said about God's word. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the next few minutes to give you some very practical advice on studying God's word. And you may be thinking, well, I don't really want to do that. Well, I'm telling you, um, if I'm your pastor and if I'm not your pastor, then, you know, go listen to your pastor. But if I'm your pastor, I'm telling you that even if you don't want to do this you need to do this. You need to learn how to study the Word of God. It's a skill that you need. When you started to grow up, did you realize that there were life skills that you needed as an adult? That I mean, you needed to learn how to pay the bills. You needed to learn how to change a tire. You needed to learn how to just do some of these things. There's life skills. This is is a life skill. This is a spiritual life skill that whether you're like, man, well, I just, I've never been, I saw myself being a scholar and a theologian. You don't have to be to get into this, but these are things you need to know. So let's look here in regards to studying the word. Some people are like, well, I don't know how to, and I don't know exactly where to start. And so I'm going to give you a few tips here on different things or different avenues you could take uh, to get started on a Bible study of your own. All right. And so one thing that I would recommend is taking a particular book of the Bible and saying, you know, what, I'm going to study this. And so we could use the example of maybe the book of John. And so you could take the book of John, 21 chapters, and you could go one chapter every day for a little while. And some and 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 here's the thing, if, if you, uh, I don't know how you were as a student in school, maybe you were good, maybe you were bad, I don't know, but the goal back then was to read as much of it as you possibly could, right? Just read these four chapters by next week and blah, blah, blah. And if you're going to get into the Bible, it's not a speed reading thing and just get as much read as you possibly can. It's about retaining and absorbing it and letting the Word of God do something to your heart. And so I recommend you could start off in John chapter 1. If you're going to study the book of John, read that chapter verse by verse, not for the sake of seeing how fast you can do it, but stop. And oftentimes, even now I'll be reading the Bible and I'll catch my mind, start wandering like, Oh man, I need to call them today. These people got this going on. Uh, These people have this and my mind just goes everywhere. Wonder what we're going to have for dinner tonight. You know, just after, so I'm like, stop. I've, I, this is just a recent, you know, growth in my, in my life. I'm at the place now in my thirties where I can stop. I can catch, I can literally catch myself wandering now. I, I can honestly say, in my 20s and earlier, I couldn't stop my mind from wandering. But I have developed the skill now to say, "Whoa, whoa!" Th- thank you, Heather. I appreciate that. You know, anyone else want to give me a little encouragement? That's a gift. I mean, that was skill number three we looked at it like two weeks ago. Anyway, so uh, but I can stop myself. Whoa, no, I just read like six verses and didn't pay a bit of attention. I'm gonna go back, and I'm gonna force myself to absorb this and actually read it and so a great way if you don't know where to start take a book of the bible and start right there and you're like well what book well the book of john would be a fine good book to start with uh you know sometimes people will yeah i'm, I'm, get, I'm gonna start off with you know the book of leviticus i'm like okay that's a i mean it's all god's word it's all true yeah, if you don't have any other Bible background yet, that could really confuse you. And uh, and so I would recommend a nice one of the Gospels would be a good a good place to start—Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Now, another cool thing is your Bible may have an introduction paragraph before uh, you get into that book. Not every Bible does, but um, that would be a. a very helpful to read. You get a little bit of the background information on that. Now, another thing if you're looking at a way to study is you could take a certain character out of the Bible. So we could say, for instance, maybe you could take Abraham and uh, and study the life of Abraham. So Abraham would be a good person to study because I've got a whole lot of Old Testament scripture on him. It's way back in the book of Genesis. And I've got a lot of New Testament scripture on him. So what I would do is I would go to Genesis and I would read his, the whole, everything that they wrote about Abraham in the book of Genesis. And there's a lot in there. And this is great. You have plenty of reading material to study his life. And so you could go through there. Then you could go to the New Testament. Galatians talks about him a lot and read about what some of the New Testament has to say about him. And then you want, we don't want to just want to read about the character of the person. I want to learn from his life and apply what good he did in my life. And then a lot of them, there's things they didn't do good, and you can learn how to not do that. So I would write down some uh, of, the, of the character traits. I would be taking notes from Abraham, his, his, his faith, his, his obedience. And, and I would write down these character traits, and I would start working on applying those to my life. Is this the most exciting sermon you've ever heard, ever? Yeah? (laughs) I know, you're loving this. I can tell on your faces. This is so cool. All right? And so, another thing you could do, (laughs) another thing you could do is you could pick a topic. Topic out of the Bible. And so let's say, uh, you know, just for for the sake of easiness, you could talk about love, all right? You want to study about love because you need to learn more about love. Who needs to learn more about love? Raise your hand right now. You need, okay, all right. So that's you. You need to learn more about love. And uh, and so uh, you could take that topic, and, you know, this may not sound too deep, but you could literally go to Google and Google Bible verses about love. There's nothing wrong with that. I would do that. I do things like that. And and I would look at a big list of the Bible verses that people have already compiled about love, and I would start studying those out. And, of course, you can look in your own concordance, which I'm going to show you how to use here in a few minutes. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. But um, you can, you can also search yourself for um, all the references to love. Another thing you could study is a certain event in the Bible. You could look at something like the resurrection, and you could go uh, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they all four talk about it. You could see, you could study all four of their accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. Then you could even go uh, with the help of your concordance or perchance the internet and look a little bit further on at other references in scripture to resurrection. All right. So did I? we give you a few ideas of of avenues you could take for studying scripture? All right. Hold on to your seats. It's going to get more fun here. All right, um, so some resources you could use to study, all right, and these are, this is some things that I use, all right, so you could look at different translations, different versions, now, uh, I, there are some translations of the Bible that I would not read, to be honest with you, um, but, uh, but most of them are, most that you're going to come across, are fine to read. Some are more accurate than others. Some are an actual translation from the original Greek. And one thing that I run into all the time is amongst English speaking people is we all refer to the King James as basically being what Paul and Moses and, and Peter and John actually wrote. You realize that it is a translation. It's a very good translation. It really, really is. And so most of the scriptures I have memorized are from the King James Bible because that's it, it is a good translation. But what I run across is people come to me and with, you know, uh, maybe the NLT or something be like, well, the NLT says this, but that does not line up with the King James. And I'm like, well, we're not comparing the NLT to the King James. We want to compare the NLT to the original Greek and the original Hebrew. Now, it is it is possible, you know, that in a translation, they could have, uh, you know, lost, uh, maybe didn't fully translate it 100% accurately to the original language, and that's what we're aiming for. And sometimes the King James could be a little bit... Uh, Difficult to understand, because it was translated in 1611, and not a lot of us talk like that anymore, or even read on that level. That is, that's a very advanced thing. Very accurate, but it, for instance, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, it uses the word charity instead of love. Charity vaunteth not. And I'm like, who? And what What don't he do? What? And then he go to the, you know, a... a, a modern translation you know love is not arrogant oh okay that's what that means so but but translations that I personally really prefer and you guys already know all this but I really really prefer the NLT the new living translation and my reasoning for that is not just because it is modern English and easy to understand but um, there's a well really a man named Rick Renner he has a PhD in Greek. Okay. I mean, he's got a a, a PhD in Greek. The man knows Greek. And so anyway, um, he, he's literally came out and, and said that out of all the translations I've studied, I can speak for the Greek aspect. The NLT is the most accurate to the Greek out of any of the English translations. And I'm like, well, that's a very good reason for me. Now another thing that you should know, I may not get to point number 2. I may just keep talking for a little bit, but you need to know this as you study your Bible that the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. You get that, okay? And the New Testament is written in Greek and you need to you need to know that. Uh because you know as you, as I'll show you with your concordance here in a minute, that'll help you be able to trace down the actual original meaning of words. And so the Old Testament is written in what language, students? What is the New Testament written in? Oh, you're doing so good. I love this. All right. And so another thing you can do is look at cross-references in your Bible. And so uh, to help you out, I've taken a picture of my Bible. You can put that on the screen, Blake. All right. So here, I've, I've done this with my Bible here. Now, you'll see here in uh, in the middle column right there, okay, uh, th- there is different verses written right there, and so oftentimes you'll see, like, uh, if this, this was taken out of Ephesians uh, uh, right there, but uh, so there'll be uh, different cross references. So maybe you're reading Ephesians 2:14, and you'll see a little star or asterisk beside that verse. Well, go to your middle column, and it'll say chapter 2, verse 14, and right below that, it'll list some other scriptures that are similar to that and would back up that verse and that's very helpful and then i put an arrow right there because i'll do my own cross references of if i'm reading and i'm like oh wait that sounds just like hebrews four sixteen. well i'll write my own in there and uh and when i'm reading that boom i've got several different uh verses on the same topic that i can go to and it's a really fun time study in god's word amen all right now uh the concordance who would like to learn about the concordance I'm doing this to you because you came on the night before Thanksgiving, all right? And so what we have here, and in Bible college, I had to carry this thing every day in a backpack to class with some other Bibles, and man, I was, you know, I was starting to get some gains, I'm not going to lie. I was getting, uh, I looked like Big Rob, actually. I looked like Rob when I was in college. Uh, But anyway, so the concordance, is called Strong's Concordance because, uh, man, his last name was Strong's, all right? It's not because it's so big that it makes you Strong's, okay? So... We got the concordance here and literally what James Strong did is, (laughs) this is thick because he went through the Bible and Every single word in the Bible, he traced down every single time it was used and and literally put the reference in there. And so, other than the words like the and stuff like that or a, but but I mean, uh, you can find any word. And so, this is so helpful because maybe sometime, uh, well, for instance, you're like, man, I want to learn more about love or about hope. Well, you could go through here and literally find every single verse in the Bible that uses that word. That's incredible. Uh, or maybe you just remember a little part of a verse, like I know I heard this verse when I was a kid. It said something about you know love never fails, or something. Well, I could go in the Bible, in, in the concordance, and start looking at uh, for the word love or the keyword fail, and and I could uh, I could I could look up and trace that verse down. So uh, I need a volunteer tonight. Who would like to volunteer? Nick? Nick? All right, Nick, come on up. Let's bring Nick up. All right. All right. So. Yeah, this is interesting. So, we're going to have Nick, Well, I'm going to give a word to Nick. He here's what he's going to do, okay? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, 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 it's got to be a bible word, all right? Don't, don't go make up your own words. So, uh what we're going to do here is I'm going to give him a word. He's going to look it up in here in the strong's concordance and uh and and then there's in the concordance There is a number beside each word, okay? Now, if you go to that number, you can look in the back of the concordance and find uh, the original word that was literally used right there, okay? And so I'm going to give Nick the word hope. So find the word hope in the concordance. Let's hear it for Nick, everybody. All right. Ten skills every Christian needs. Every Christian needs to know how to study the word. You can do it. H. That's right. Okay. (laughs) There we go. All right. You're gonna find words they didn't even know were in the Bible. All right. I just saw the word Homer you know that? All right. I mean, I knew it was in there. Right. So hope. All right. So we found the word hope. We've located it. Now, if you look right here, you can see every single time that hope is used in the King James Bible. Well, I want to know what the Greek means for that. And so I, what are you going to do if you need to find out a, a Greek meaning for the word hope? You're going to find a New Testament reference to it, right? Yeah. All right. So, All right. So let's find us a New Testament uh, usage of the word hope. Okay, so we could go all the way down here. All right, so, all right, so yeah, here we are. We're in the New Testament, all right? So, uh, can you see right here where it says 1680, right beside it? Okay, so we're going to find out what uh, hope means in Greek, literally. Okay. So we're looking for the new Testament. We're going to go we're number 1680. We're going to go all the way to the back. So this is Hebrew. We don't want that. We're going to go to the Greek. All right. So start tracing down, uh, get to the number 1680. Come on guys. (laughs) Yeah. There it is. All right. So the original Greek word is Elpis. Oh, yeah. All right. And so, uh, it, it means to anticipate usually with pleasure. It's an expectation or confidence. That is what the Bible literally means when it uses the word hope in the, where we just looked at in the book of acts, it literally means that in this case, it was to anticipate with pleasure is an expectation or a confidence. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so we just did a very brief, 30-second word study on hope in the Greek. Did you see how we did that? All right, let's hear it for Nick. All right, good job, Nick. All right, very good. Who wants to go next? Go on your own time. I I can't sit here all night. I guess got stuff to do. My wife's making cheesecake tonight, and if I'm lucky, I'll get to, like, lick the bowl. So we got to get out of here. All right. So, um, but that's how you would use a concordance. Now, you can use a concordance online also. If you were to Google a free online concordance, uh, you can use some of those. Another thing I, I like to use is commentaries. And so uh, one commentary I like is called Matthew Henry's Commentary. And uh, But there's a lot of good Bible commentaries. Now, uh, again, that's where a, a, a scholar or a theologian uh, would sit down. And take different verses and give a breakdown and information and, and commentary on each verse. And you know, you want to read after people that were good, God fearing, uh, spirit filled people. But that's a great way to do it. All right, I got to keep moving uh, for the sake of time. Um, but there's there are Bible interpretation rules. Now, if you want me to go real nerdy on you, I don't. I try to not do this, but. Okay, oh, you're here. Let's go. I mean, come on. I got you. You're not going anywhere. So uh, the word uh, for Bible interpretation, if you're doing a systematic theological uh, study, is the word hermeneutics. I should have put that on the screen, but hermeneutics, and, uh, and that is the study... Of scripture actually that's the Bible interpretation. And there's twelve rules to Bible interpretation. Who wants to know all twelve? Well, you're not gonna get them from me tonight. I don't have time. I'm gonna give you three of the twelve though. Three of the (laughs) twelve. Actually, I went I mean, this is how much I wanted to teach you guys this. I went into I got out my college notebook today, which I haven't looked through in well, probably since I was there. Yeah, that, is like, that's, uh, oh, that's sad. But, um, I went, I went to my notes for this. And actually, if you are interested, I would be willing to share with you. I've got a, a wonderful little graphic of Bible, the 12 Bible interpretation rules. If you want that, see me after service and I'd be glad to text it to you. But, I'm gonna give you three of the, uh, hermeneutic rules. And these are things to keep in mind when you're studying the Bible. Again, I'm, I'm trying to not be like too, Crazy, thorough here, but just just some very beginning-level stuff so you can study the Bible yourself also, all right? The, num- the number one rule of Bible interpretation is context. You always want to read the surrounding verses in order to get the full picture. Uh, just like people could take, you know, listen to a speech from a politician or somebody and take one sentence out of the whole speech and be like, this guy right here said this. Well, no, not when you heard the whole speech. He didn't say that. And and so some people also with Scripture can take just one little line out of one little verse and twist it a bit. See, it says right here to give me all your money. That's what it says. No, it didn't say that if you were to read the whole thing. And so you always want to keep things in context. Read the verses around it. Read the whole chapter. Read the whole passage. Another rule, number two, would be the rule of comparison. Compare scriptures with other scriptures to arrive at a balanced view. Compare verses. So if you stumble across one verse that may say something like, uh, uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, you know, life is totally meaningless. It's all meaningless. Well, <laughs> you, if, that's, if you're going to take that one verse, like make that your life verse, life's meaningless. There's one verse, in, you know, he said in Ecclesiastes, well, I would you got to understand the context of what he was saying it in, first of all. Uh, and also, does that line up with the rest of Scripture? Does the rest of the Bible really tell you that your life is meaningless and has no purpose? No, it doesn't. It tells you that your life is meaningful and you were born for a reason and for a purpose. Um, and another thing, this is very important, all right, especially for the snowflakes of 2022, all right. Uh, got to know the history of the historical and and geographical aspect of when the Bible was written. This book, it is the most perfect thing ever written. It was not written in Los Angeles, California, 2020. It was written over a period of thousands of years starting 6,000 years ago in the Middle East. And so there are things in here that if you don't keep that in mind, that it will confuse you. And we try to put all of the Bible into our Western mindset. And that can also trip you up some because there are things in here that to our very soft, sensitive, you know, snowflake feelings of 2022 that uh, will trip you up. Even Jesus said some things that sound pretty offensive sometimes. I was just reading in, in John chapter 4 the other day, the story of the woman at the well. This, he's sitting at the well. This lady he's never met comes walking by. He basically says, hey, woman, get me some water. Like, whoa, you can't say that, Jesus. That's sexist. That's blah, 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 blah. That's blah, 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 blah. And I mean, no, that's wrong. But I, if I'm interpreting Jesus to and, and, and the Bible through this day and age, I mean, I would never personally, if some woman came, but woman, give me a water and make me a sandwich. I, I don't even say that to my wife. <laughs> if I, you could ask my wife. And in fact, it offends her because I don't ask her to do anything for me. She'll be like, can you at least tell me to go get you some chips? I'm like, no, I'm a grown man. I get myself some chips. I don't need you to serve me. That's not your job. And anyway, I mean, every marriage is different. In my marriage, there's probably not literally one time out of 15 years where I've ever told my wife to just go get me something. So anyway, that's me. But what I'm saying, though, is this, is you can take different verses and passages of the Bible, and if you look at it through... 2022 American lens, just going to trip you up. Even now, if you were to go to the Middle East uh, and in Israel, their culture would trip you up. And that's what Americans do. That's what people in the Western, you know, our whole continent, we try to hold everybody else to our standards. I mean, even though they got the World Cup going on right now, we want to hold all them to our, our standards. And I'm, I'm not defending, you know, the muslim way of life over there what i am saying is i'm not going to go to some other country and get blow up at them because you know they've got their own culture well the culture of the bible and of the middle east and of the jewish people is very very different than where we're at right now and when i look at scriptures i know that i've got to look at it through that lens of okay this is Two thousand years ago, this is in this culture, and, and this is, this is, you know, why it was worded and said this way. It doesn't make it wrong, it makes it right. Because the Bible's always right, and I, if there's anything wrong, I'm the one that's wrong. So, anyway, those are just three of the very most basic Bible interpretation rules, all right? And so, again, why is it so important that you can learn to study the Bible for yourself? You may be thinking, well, I'm never going to be a preacher. It doesn't matter. You need to learn how to be able to study Scripture so you can learn to grow. And so I do my best, and I know my dad and anybody else that's up here preaching. I promise you, man, I'm giving my best to feed you three solid hot meals a week. I am. I'm trying my hardest for you. But you need to also be able to learn this skill on your own, and, and learn how to study scripture for yourself, alright? So, my goodness, it's 802. Dare I try to speed through one more? Who, who will give me like just five, ten? Uh, okay. You're crazy enough that you're here all night anyway. You're, alright, so, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna try to fit in number eight, and because this is a very important skill to me, that most people don't think that it's a, a, a skill that you need This is a skill that you need as a Christian, and it's how to be still. How to be still. And so a very important skill to learn is the skill of chill. And you can quote me on that. (laughs) I was just writing this down today, and I'm like, God, I want to get, I mean, the skill of chill. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound like, no, I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm talking, this is a real thing, is learning how to be still. I want you to look at Psalm 46 and verse 10. Psalm 46 and verse 10. Are you still with me this evening? All right. Psalm 46 and verse 10. And this is really important. uh, A very important skill. And it's one that I'm working on because believe it or not, this is harder than what it looks like. And, uh, I, <laughs> this is one of the hardest skills to learn, in my opinion. And, uh, and, 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 you know, for me, I, I'm working on this. I want to get better at this because I know that it's a major part of my growth as a Christian is learning how to be still. Um, but, Again, it's a challenge. So Psalm 46 and verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. And so we are told, we're commanded in Scripture, hey, be still. What does that mean? Be Come to a place of silence, stillness, tuning everything else out. Now for me, maybe you're more advanced in this than me, but I'm gonna get, I'm gonna catch up to you because I'm working on this, but it takes me about at least a full day to get where I can be still and just not really really think about everything else that's going on in the world. I read one author that wrote this. He said, solitude, all right, being still, or we would say solitude, has a learning curve. It's a practice we embody. And like anything worth doing, our first efforts will be pained. And I'm telling you, it's hard to do this. And some people are like, bet, I could do that. I could go out right now. Trust me. And probably when I was earlier in life, or maybe 20, 21, 22, I could probably read, I didn't have as many responsibilities, didn't have kids, didn't have a church to take care of, didn't have, you know, it was probably a little bit easier. But I promise you, the more you are advanced in life, the more responsibilities, the more, you know, kids and everything that you've got, this gets a lot harder. And so, uh, and, and so this author went on to say, the terror of silence will tempt us away from the quiet we will long for email, to-do list, a sink full of dishes, the, the unread messages on our phone, anything that can turn our attention away from that quietly simmering something that makes solitude so troubling. And so solitude, it is a challenge, but it is a skill that Christians need to learn. And so my dad did this as a kid, and this is where I saw the importance of it. My dad would go. And, uh, and so he, I remember, uh, there's a couple in the church, they owned a little cabin in French Lick, Indiana. And, uh, French Lick is a little tiny hillbilly town, but it did produce one of the best basketball players of all time. It's from where Larry Bird is from. And so they went, there's a little town called French Lick, Indiana. So they called him the Hick from French Lick. And, uh, and so, but this couple, they had a cabin. There it was about, I mean, this is like, I think, maybe two, at least two hours, probably three hours from our home. But dad would just go there and spend a week just in solitude. And you're like, well, that's selfish to leave, you know, the wife with the kids and blah, blah, blah. And it would seem that way until you realize the spiritual discipline and the importance of what it is to do this. It's very, very important. And and so I understand that not everybody gets is going to be able to just all the time go off to solitude We know that. And so it's important that you make a daily time of being still and knowing that I am God. You've got to have daily time with God, and that's not going to be hours and hours every day. We do know that. But there doesn't need to be daily time with God. But in addition to that, I do believe that there needs to be some times and, you know, on some occasions where you have a prolonged alone time of solitude with God. Now, I get it. Not everybody can always that for days and days at a time i was blessed last week i told you this but to be able to go uh pastor katie and i uh to the mountains for a few days and uh and so we both told each other we went up there and and she hey she said it first before i said it let's get that on the record but she's like hey you know i'm going up here to talk to jesus i don't need to see you until thursday and i'm like back at you darling that amen i don't need to see you i you know and it was fine we got that and her idea of spending time with Jesus is being, you know, alone in the cabin. And my idea is being out in the woods, out in the cold, away from everybody. Just me and the birds and the squirrels. And oh man, we did have a good time, I'll tell you that. So, so, uh, but, but just being out there, in a place where you can silence yourself it'll take me as of now about a solid day to be able to quit thinking about all you guys and your stuff and thinking about my kids and their stuff and thinking about dinner and thinking about you know whatever else is going on in the world but after a while i can get there and oh i just want to focus on you lord and sit here on this log and talk to god for a little bit and and it, it is a skill it is Much harder than what you think it is. Now, I want to show you why this is so important. Very quickly, I'm almost done. But the man that I respect most in all of life have developed this skill, and especially the men in the Bible. You see this through a lot of the most powerful men in the Bible. But the person that I believe was the most skilled at this was the man himself, Jesus Christ. And so look at Luke chapter 5. Look, I'm going to look at two references, and then we'll wind things down. You can get home, you watch Charlie Brown Christmas, put the kids in their pajamas, and go to bed. All right, Luke chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 16. Because... What impresses me about Jesus doing this is if you think that you're busy, you're not Jesus busy, right? I mean, you may work, (laughs) you know, two full-time jobs. You may have 10 kids. You may have, but whatever your situation is, you are not as busy as Jesus was. I promise you that. I mean, he had his 12 disciples plus all the others. And all the time, people were constantly, hey, Jesus. Jesus, can you fix this? Jesus, can you pray for this? Jesus, can you, and I mean, I feel like all the time, all I hear is, dad, 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 and I'm mean, like, what do you, what? <laughs> Come on, what do you need? <laughs> and, but I imagine Jesus, I mean, and you'll, I've just got two examples, there's many more, but all the time, hey Jesus, you're not busy, are you? No, what what could you want right now? What what is it you needed? So but Luke chapter five, verses fifteen and sixteen. So Jesus is out on the healing circuit doing miracles But despite Jesus' instructions, because he would, he would heal people and be like, don't tell anybody about this, just go show yourself to the priest, just go on your way, but shh, this is between me and you. And, and people are like, why? And that's a whole other lesson I'm not gonna get into tonight. But despite his instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach, and to be healed of their diseases. Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Well that was easy, he was Jesus. You have no idea how hard that was when crowds, vast crowds are following you everywhere. You see the modern day celebrities, you know, people chasing them around and I have no idea why because most of them are just nuts. But anyway, uh, but, but, but Jesus, people are chasing him everywhere, but he often withdrew. And I'm thinking if Jesus Needed to withdraw and recharge the batteries? You really think that you're just so strong that you don't need to withdraw from people and recharge the batteries? You do. You are certainly no better than Jesus. I I mean, you're good. I'll give you that. You're really good. But you're not better and stronger than Jesus. Now, look back at chapter 4 and verse 42. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Chapter 4 And verse 42, because there's another instance of Jesus. I mean, he just couldn't get away from people and and he wanted to help people. That's his whole reason for being here. But even Jesus needed a little break sometimes. And so it says early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. So he gets up early. He's like, okay, I'll get up before everybody. He goes out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. Jesus, just come on, come on, fix our problem. And, and, and so Jesus, there's, it's all over the four Gospels. He was consistently trying to get some alone time and, uh, and, and trying to uh, find a place of solitude for a little bit. And so... One thing that I've learned, and you know, in life is is this, specifically about electronics. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being serious. You've probably learned this, but oftentimes your phone, or your TV, or your internet router, or your computer, if it's got an issue, ninety percent of the time, I've got some nerds in this section. I've got all, three nerds. Look at this. I got Greg, Josh, and Jose. Wow three of the nerdiest people I know. This is great. <laughs> All right. So that, that's a compliment. Okay. These guys are total nerds, but they're great. They're great. I, I love them dearly because they're, they're so much smarter than I am, but i I'm going to say 90%. You guys could maybe, maybe you'd say higher, but in my experience, 90% of the time when my electronic is acting up, if I will unplug it, reset it and just plug it back in a few minutes later, the problem somehow magically fixes itself. Is that somewhat accurate, men? Okay. <laughs> Most of the time, almost every time. And, and 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 so that's just, that's the truth. But here's the thing. I've also found out in my life, many times the problems and the, something's just going wrong, something ain't right. I, I just can't figure this out. If I will unplug for a little bit, if I will reset for a little bit and just stop, reset, get alone with God. All right. And this is a skill. All right. This isn't just a gift that some of us have. And well, you don't have that gift. No, it's a skill that everybody's going to learn. But if I will unplug, reset, solitude, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes, so often, these problems just have a way of working themselves out (laughs) through God's power, through God's power. But there's just something about hitting that reset button. And so I encourage you, if I can phrase it this way, get good at being alone with God. Every day you need some sort of alone, even if it's in the car praying. You need this daily. Give us this day our daily bread not give us this week our sunday morning at 10 a.m bread when pastor dave dishes it out no (laughs) no you need daily bread you need the family meals three times a week certainly but you need daily bread in your life and on top of that here's what i'm saying right now on top of that you do need a little extra solitude and so if you're married, uh, you know, I I think if i I'm blessed I've my wife's understanding of this and I'm understanding for her too. But sometimes you need to just say, Hey, I need a few hours, or in our case, I need a day or two. I mean I drove to Flagstaff for a few days one time, just like, everyone, leave me alone. And and she was fine with that. And so uh but but sometimes in your life You need that alone time and you need an unplug. You need solitude. Solitude does not mean girls trip this weekend. That doesn't mean that. Or I'm going out with the boys, man. We're going to go eat the 10 pound burger down at the food challenge. And we're going to, oh, it's going to be a reset. That is not what I am talking about. Get that out of your mind. That is not that. Solitude is you and God and nobody, and no one else, and I promise you, it is a challenge to start at first, but you'll get better at it, and if Jesus needed that skill, if David and Moses needed that, you need it too. Amen? I've clearly gone into overtime. We're in double overtime. I have to stop right now. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise God. Amen. Hey, we picked the right crowd tonight. Like I said, if you yahoos are okay to come out here on the night before Thanksgiving, certainly you want to learn more about the Bible. All right. Well, I'm going to make this quick. All right. I'm going to make it quick. I need my prayer team. Can I get uh, Chuck and uh, Heather or Leah? Come on up. Come on up here. You've got kids, Heather. You stay there. <laughs> so, um, if you need prayer, I'm going to have Josh lead us in one song quickly. And if you need prayer, come right up. We'll pray for you. And uh, if not, we'll just let you get on out of here tonight. But uh, let's take just a minute here. And if you need prayer for anything, and some of you are like, yeah, I need prayer. I've got family coming over tomorrow. We'll pray for that too. We'll pray for that too. God loves your family. Okay, go ahead, Josh, and uh, lead us for just a minute.
1: A way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. A way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are, and 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 that is who you are. are that is who you are And 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 even when I don't see it, you're working and even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working you never stop, you never stop working. Hey, even when I don't see it, you're working. Hey, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. A way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my god that is who you are all
0: right praise the lord well we're going to go ahead and close down and we'll let y'all get out of here and do your thing tonight but who had a decent time learning from the bible tonight all right that was a fun time all right and if you have any questions, you know, Leah said she'd be glad to answer them, so just go to her and uh she'll answer any questions, comments, concerns, complaints. She'll take them, all right? But don't bring your complaints to me. All right, let's go. Let's uh, let's pray. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, let's pray and then we will close out with the Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your Word tonight. And Lord, I pray for each of us that we would start learning these skills of of first of all being able to study your Word. And I know that you've called each of us to to a place of uh, of studying your Word. You told us to to seek it out like a treasure, Lord, like like we would for silver. And so I pray in Jesus' name that we will get that desire and we will start uh, uh start applying some of these steps we've learned. And Lord, also we know that it. It is very much a real skill uh, to be able to be still and know that I am God. And so thank you, Lord, that we're able to, to work on that and grow in our walk with you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? All right. Let's say it together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you Sunday.